Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian Tian with your market view. Now, the U.S. economy is on our agenda today after October's inflation print came in better than feared at 7.7% on year. Now, while that suggests that consumers are reacting to the Fed's series of outsized rate hikes, it's a pivot within sight. Now, meantime, we also saw massive layoffs by a number of tech giants in recent weeks, including at Twitter and also Meta. What does this signal for the tech sector going Going forward as we head into the holiday season. Now, to help us address these burning questions, let's welcome our guest for today, Thilan Wigrama Singha, Head of Research at Maybank Securities. He joins us on the show. Hi, Thilan, how are you? Hi, great to be on the show. And great to have you as well, Thilan. Let's start with the US. October's inflation print came in better than feared 7.7% on year, 0.4% for the month. But is the Fed's job to restore price stability anywhere near complete? I think we must be cautious as one data point does not make a trend. Um, sure, mm. inflation came in below expectations, but it is still high, still in the 40-year high sort of range. And the messaging from the Fed actually has been very clear. Uh, we had one of the Fed governors uh, saying overnight that the market was getting well ahead of themselves on one inflation print. Um, at the end of the day, we haven't seen these conditions since the 1970s. Mm. So recent market playbooks might actually not apply. So we really need to see, see to think about that. Uh, we think the Fed will continue to keep hiking until the job is done. Uh, so there needs to be a very clear visibility in terms of uh, uh, quite a few soft data points coming out before we think the Fed will ease. Right. So in that case, uh, Thailand, describe to us the state of the U.S. economy right now and where do you see the Fed moving in December and when will rates peak at? Is there any visibility for now? Sure. So on the one hand, we have statistics that show the U.S. economy is doing well. Uh, hiring statistics are good. We saw a modest uh, third quarter GDP growth. But inflation, as I said, is at a 40-year high. And right. that's actually impacting household wealth. Uh, at the end of the day, 70% of U.S. GDP is driven by consumer spending. Now, according to the U.S. Commerce Department, household spending has increased around 8% year-to-date, while in- incomes have only gone up around 5.5%. Such a difference can't last forever, so there will be some spending pullback. And also, you remember that debt levels remain quite high in an environment where interest rates are rising. So that's also going to add to pressure. So I think the risks of recession as well as slowdowns are high. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think the Fed will continue to, uh, with its cooling measures, uh, consensus expecting around a 50 basis point uh, hike in December. What do you think this means for markets in the meantime? I think you're still going to see this volatility. So when you have this sort of good data points, you might see some uh, positive reaction. But I think in, in general, um, the risks are still very much stacked on the downside, uh, particularly as the Fed continues to raise rates. And in the meantime, Thilan, I want to zoom in on the tech sector in the US. We saw a number of layoffs by big tech firms uh, last week. Uh, in the recent weeks as well, reports suggested that Elon Musk laid off roughly half of Twitter's workforce. Mark Zuckerberg laid off about 13% or 11,000 Meta employees. So where do you think or what do you think is the road ahead for the US tech sector going forward? So I think you need to start by where we think the U.S. economy and European economy is going. And our house view is that there's a very high probability that we will head into recession for the U.S. as well as Europe. 
2023. Uh, and of course, what that means for the tech sector is that it runs the risk of a massive plunge in advertising revenues. Right. Uh, now, if this is a lifeblood uh, for many of the social media businesses. So uh, this could make the U.S. tech sector quite bumpy in the short term. Uh, there's also the risk that earnings expectations as these ad revenues start to come down uh, will be revised downwards. Um, so the current valuation may actually not uh, look so cheap. Uh, we think that the overall valuations could remain low for longer mm. um, until you have this clarity from central bank action. Right. And before we move away from the U.S. Finland, the cryptocurrency sector currently in a slump. Uh, no thanks also to the drama surrounding crypto exchange FTX. So what do you think this means for broader markets and also for the blockchain industry? I think there's been a massive erosion of trust in the crypto space overall. Um, now, this is running across the value chain from the tokens to exchanges um, and the FTX example being the, being the latest. So the backbone of any currency to work is confidence. So right. I think there will there will is a need for a response there. Uh, we think the blockchain industry will re- recalibrate and they'll adjust. But I, we also think that the role played by the regulators will need to substantially increase. Um, at the end of the day, we think that the crypto sector has a meaningful role to play, uh, especially uh, when it comes to areas like financial inclusion. But you cannot get the benefit of these use cases until you have confidence coming back. Now, in terms of market impact, we think it's relatively small. Um, There are lots of estimates out there, but in general, the global crypto market size is estimated around a trillion dollars, while the bond markets and the equities markets are hundreds of times bigger. Uh, And you you saw that even with the FTX shareholders, uh, their position sizes uh, for FTX was a, is, is quite small versus their overall assets under management. So contagion should be fairly contained, but it's something to keep an eye on. Right. And in the meantime, we saw the correlation between Bitcoin and the S&P 500 uh, going to the lowest this year. So tell us a little bit more about the correlation between cryptocurrencies and also other financial assets going forward with all that drama going on. I think, as, as I said, it comes down to the level of confidence. And we've had this uh, significant erosion in the overall crypto markets. So I think that's going to have uh, impact in terms of how um, it relates to the rest of the asset classes uh, going forward as well. So until right. we start to see um, you know, uh, more positive steps being taken to restore confidence, and, and I think that will require a significant um, you know, uh, role by the regulators as well, um, you, you, you might, you know, the, the, the level of correlation will be a, a lot lower. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Thilan Wickramasinghe, Head of Research at Maybank Securities. Well, Thilan, I would like to briefly touch on what's going on in Asia. China using some of its COVID-19 rules last week. To what extent do you think that will prop up the Chinese economy? The, the, the recent Chinese data, uh, the economic data still remains pretty luggish, uh, sluggish. Um, you know, if you look at the September manufacturing PMI, it's at around a five-month low. Uh, retail sales are well below pre-pandemic levels. Mm. So it's hard to say how much uh, 
easing COVID rules will help at this time? Uh, because, you know, there's two questions we, we need to answer here. You know, uh, what is the extent of the relaxation that will happen? And two, um, you know, what is the commitment of the government, uh, especially given the fact that, you know, you have cases rising again? Um, so while the easing has been symbolically positive, uh, I think it's too early to say whether the economic impact will be very, very strong going forward. Right. And in that case, what would that mean for markets in ASEAN for the near term? And how should we as investors position our portfolios in the meantime? Yeah, so that's quite interesting. So if you look at, uh, uh, if you actually have a very clear Chinese reopening, mm. it will actually be very positive for ASEAN. Uh, it will help ASEAN decouple from the U.S., as around 16% of the region's exports actually go to China. Right. Uh, China also accounts for over a fifth of ASEAN tourist arrivals, and that and it makes a material contribution to GDPs in, in places like Thailand and Vietnam, um, and also and also rest of the ASEAN countries as well. And particularly countries like Indonesia and Malaysia could benefit from a revival of the Chinese Belt and Road initiatives as well. Uh, Singapore uh, will also benefit from rising exports. And also we, we, we are seeing this increasing flow of supply chains moving from North Asia, from China to Southeast Asia. Mm. And Singapore's role as a financial center uh, will benefit from that. Um, I th- so I think a lot of the ASEAN countries uh, will benefit from that. And I think for a lot of investors, uh, that's, a, that's a key thing to note. Uh, probably one of the countries that might not benefit as much will be the Philippines. Uh, because they've got a, a small economic link to China. I see, I see. And uh, Finland, well, earlier we were chatting and you mentioned about how Singapore has been a market that held up despite the global market volatility. So tell us more about what is driving that and to what extent do you think this can continue? Yeah, so I mean, if you look at the Singapore uh, market index, uh, around 80% of it is uh, comprised of old world value stocks, the banks, mm-hmm. industrials, utilities, telcos. Now, a lot of these are, you know, they are profitable, um, they, they generate cash, so they have very strong earnings visibility as well as dividend visibility. Uh, now, the sectors that were in favor before, uh, like the tech sector or the growth stocks, uh, are generally uh, more driven by revenue growth and that's the key metric that uh, that was looked at more than profitability growth. Um, and when you have these sorts of t- uncertainty, um, I think uh, profitability and cash becomes uh, a, a lot more uh, a stronger proposition. And mm. this has enabled Singapore to hold up and offer a, a place to hide, uh, particularly in this sort of market. Uh. I see. Well, Vilan, one last question before we let you go. We are seeing increasing investments into sustainability and we saw that conversation becoming even more focused uh, during the COP27 in Egypt. So what do you think are the opportunities, particularly in Southeast Asia? I think there's a lot of opportunities in Southeast Asia. Now, if you look across the whole of Southeast Asia, the dominant industries, as I said, are very old world. Just like Singapore, a lot of the industries in Southeast Asia are financials, plantations, utilities. Now, these are all very high carbon emitters. So they will need to transition to low carbon going forward. Five of the ASEAN six countries have already made net zero commitment. So this process will accelerate um, going forward. Uh, But this transition, we think, will uh, cost a lot more than for a lot of other industrialized countries. This is because while you do this transition, you still need to preserve economic growth. Uh, 
um, given that these are emerging markets, a lot of people's jobs are at stake, and you need to support communities uh, while also decarbonizing. Uh, mm. This is what we call just transition. Right. So I think I think in, when you're doing that, there will be a, a lot of uh, investment opportunities across the value chain mm. and across asset classes, from equities to, to fixed income as well as private equity as well. Well, lots to look forward to, isn't it? Thank you very much, Thilan. That was Thilan Wickramasinghe, Head of Research at Maybank Securities. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Always a pleasure chatting. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.